If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 239 of the Leading Learning Podcast, where we speak with Ariana Rehak, co-founder and CEO of Matchbox Virtual Media, a firm that helps organizations produce virtual events that foster meaningful conversations. Ariana is actually a returning guest, but she was in a different role back in episode 111, one where she started a very successful virtual events series. Since then, she went on to launch Matchbox, really not that long before the current surge in demand for virtual event services. So she is no doubt a very busy person these days. Jeff, what do you and she talk about? Well, as you know, we are currently in the midst of a huge surge in virtual events and demand for related services. So I definitely wanted to get Ariana's take on the current landscape, given that she's right in the thick of things and working with a wide range of organizations to take their events online. We talk about what it takes to make a successful transition, and she shares stories about some of the organizations that she's seen do it successfully. And we also talk about the sense that many people may have of something being lost when you go from face-to-face to to virtual and why you may actually gain much more than you lose. Then finally, I ask her to look into her crystal ball and give her perspective on what the role of virtual events is likely to be 18 to 24 months from now when hopefully we've reached that new normal that everyone keeps talking about. What reflection questions did you come up with for this episode, Jeff? And as a reminder, listeners, you can find the reflection questions in the show notes available at leadinglearning.com slash episode 239. We mentioned earlier, Salisa, that Matchbox is focused on virtual events as a way to foster meaningful conversations. And that's a thread that runs throughout this conversation. So I'd like to ask listeners to follow that thread and ask themselves, how are we using or planning to use our virtual events as a platform for fostering meaningful conversations? Well, that is a great question to consider as we head into this very meaningful conversation with Ariana Rahel. Hello, and welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. I'm Jeff Cobb, and today my conversation partner is Ariana Rahel. Ariana joined us back in ye old days of the podcast on episode 111, in which we talked about a virtual event she had launched. She's now gone on to become the co-founder and CEO of Matchbox Virtual Media, where she is deeply steeped in virtual events. And that's going to be a major focus of our conversation. But first, Ariana, welcome back to the Leading Learning Podcast. I'm really excited to be here. A lot has changed since the last time. A lot of water under the bridge. I just mentioned uh, you have, you have co-founded a company. You are now a, an entrepreneur officially. Um, can, you, can you tell us a bit more, um, both about yourself and then also about this, this new company, Matchbox Virtual Media? Absolutely. So uh, in, in the last organization that I was with previously, uh, it's a digital publication and online community for leaders of associations. And within that context, uh, I built a virtual conference for the community. And uh, I started to get people asking, uh, who, who had experienced the virtual conference, asking if this is something that uh, we do for other associations as well. And so the answer was no for a long time until the answer was yes. So mm. now... 
uh, Matchbox was spun out to uh, produce virtual conferences. So now we work primarily with associations. And so I, I definitely want to talk about our, our current circumstances some um, because it's, it's really shifted things, I know, for, for so many organizations and, and for your company. But, uh, I mean, you, you were doing virtual conferences before virtual conferences were, I don't know if cool is the right word or not, but uh, they're, they're certainly, you know, a, a necessary part of the landscape right now. A lot, lot of interest in them. What, what got you so interested in them? I mean, I know you were running one and people were asking about it, but that doesn't necessarily mean hey, I'm passionate about this. I'm going to go off and start a company around it. What, what kind of clicked for you? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I would say that um, the need uh, that I was solving for within the original context was probably very unusual compared to some of the other reasons that virtual conferences are built. So for me, when I was building the online community and the publication, I started to get really passionate about the notion of people coming together around conversations and using those conversations to produce content. And so the early days of that was, you know, virtual meeting kind of Zoom room style where uh, we'd bring people together around what I would now call a conversation that matters. So something that they're all kind of equally passionate about as uh, professionals and record those conversations. And um, literally, like in the early days, I was opening up a Word document and writing problems identified and solutions identified from that group that was coming together. And so the virtual conference was really a way of of scaling that uh, initiative. So uh, in our early days, the very first sessions uh, of that virtual conference were designed around these conversations. And then, uh, so we'd have the speaker conversations, which would kind of be conversation starters, essentially, for an attendee chat. And then at the very end, we would go through and pull insights from the chat and uh, from the sessions themselves and turn those into eBooks that we'd make back available to the community. So we were finding really high engagement within those environments because there was an extra sense of purpose around coming together. You know, everyone, everyone knew that this is what we were doing and that this was about the collective brain. And so I got really passionate about that notion, about um, engagement in the online space, about how uh, the collective brain is always stronger than any individual. So sort of what, uh, what, drives me kind of uh, intellectually is that notion of how to make meaning of, uh, of collective knowledge. And so our early virtual conferences in Matchbox were actually generally centered around a specific industry challenge or, uh, um, or problem. So for example, we worked with uh, CPAs, certified public accountants, and their world uh, was being turned upside down by automation. You know, what it means to be a CPA fundamentally at the core was shifting. And so they wanted to bring their members uh, to discuss this and, and meaningfully understand where their members were at uh, with the issue and what resources they were turning to, et cetera. So that, uh, that whole virtual conference was designed around a specific conversation and, and a specific goal around it. Well, it's interesting. I was just talking um, in, in another interview, and I don't know where this will come out in relation to yours. We'll have to link back and forth between them. But I was talking with um, Rich Millington, who's the, the founder of Feverbee, and um, they're very focused on online community and have been doing that you know, for well over a decade now. And most of what he was talking about at this point you know, had to do with Zoom and you know, live sort of virtual meetings. And I think historically, we, we've thought of these kind of meetings, whether they're big conferences or just, you know, small conference call type things as, as events, you know, and, and people come together and you have this sort of event um, and, and not so much as kind of community or conversation. And I think that's a, a major shift uh, that, that you, you're helping 
people make, certainly have helped me make in thinking about the, the potential power behind virtual, not just being an event, virtual being a, a, a community, virtual being a, a conversation and, and you know, how so much can come out of that. I've I found one of the unintended byproducts around uh, virtual events designed to bring people together for these conversations is networking. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that uh, we learned uh, immediately when when shifting uh, into Matchbox, one of the things that I was looking at really really carefully is understanding the phenomenon of what uh, had been created because sometimes, you know, understanding really where the magic lies in trying to replicate it out, you might miss something important. So I was looking at the data from these events. I was looking at the testimonials and really trying to understand what was going on because we were just having such powerful testimonials from people saying that, you know, these were really literally profound experiences for them to come together in this way. And so I I wanted to make sure that that would replicate out. And one of the commonalities among uh, some of these really strong testimonials was the networking piece, the the Mm. relationship building. And so, you know, looking, looking at the data, it really supported that because we saw that, for example, about a third of the messages in the chat were direct at mentions to someone else, meaning there were these micro interactions happening. And so when we were following up on the stories, we were finding out that people were, let's say, adding, you know, one would add the other on LinkedIn. And because they had this common shared experience, it was actually leading to um, a continued relationship moving forward. And so we've heard stories of people who got hired in in these chats, who met up later at in-person conferences. And, And by the way, for that reason, we absolutely encourage virtual events being used um, before uh, leading up to an in-person conference because, you know, what a wonderful next step to be able to, uh, to drive people to a place where they can, you know, meaningfully meet each other. And I think it's interesting um, that, that you talk about the, the, the networking that, that's happening within the virtual event space, because, you know, so often when I'm talking to an organization about the possibility of their, holding a virtual conference or even to somebody about attending a virtual conference, you know, the, the knee jerk complaint you always hear is, well, you need the networking. You know, you have to have the hallway conversations that happen in, in face-to-face meetings. You, you lose that when you have a virtual event, it's just not going to be the same thing. I mean, and, and you've just, you know, referenced or uh, made it clear that, that networking can very much happen in that, uh, in that online environment. I mean, do you think it's a, um, you know, is, is it better, worse? Is it just of a different quality? I mean, how do you compare the networking that goes on in that, in that virtual environment versus what might go on in, in the hallway at a, at, a, at a big conference? Oh, man, this could have easily been the entire conversation today because I have a lot to say about say, this. Say all you want to. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, uh, for starters, one of the things that, so, um, you know, if you're, if you're going into an in-person conference and you sit down at a table, um, you are there interacting with those around you and absolutely they can be deeper conversations. And ideally, hopefully you get to that place where you can have those deeper conversations, but it's a little bit hit or miss. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's cool about the online space is that, um, in an attendee chat, let's say everyone's kind of sitting next to everyone else. And so, um, there's more possibility to kind of identify those in the chat that you would like to have a a further conversation with. Um, I would say also the online space is an interesting outlet for introverts. 
Uh, I know plenty of people that go to in-person conferences and they're really shy uh, to, to engage in conversations. I'll admit, I'm actually surprisingly one of them. You know, when I go into a networking event, let's say, I have a really hard time um, con- connecting with people, you know, starting those early conversations because what on earth do you talk about? And so, you know, when I look at the, uh, I will say this both virtually and in person just as a, as a broad statement, my most successful social interactions have been when there's a sense of purpose around that interaction. Um, So I'll I'll give an example, a completely random example. Um, The best party that I ever hosted, uh, it was, uh, we were nervous about it because four of us were bringing together people that we knew didn't know each other. So we were, it was almost like a networking event in that sense. This wasn't a, a, a group of friends that knew each other. And at the very beginning of the party, uh, we were outside and we were struggling. There were a couple of us out there who were trying to, we had this couch that blew up um, with air if you ran, uh, if you ran and put wind in it, basically. So we were trying to create an extra couch. And um, uh, at the beginning of the party, we were struggling with this and uh, 10 people coincidentally came to the house who didn't know each other at the same time. And they joined us in that, uh, in that initiative. And, and the 10 of us bonded so well in that moment. And that culture kind of carried forth. And it was the most successful party we ever had. And when I was thinking about it retrospectively, I realized it was that moment. This group was, had something meaningfully to connect about. So I, I would say the same thing virtually. You know, If you just have a chat room and you're like, okay, guys, meet each other nothing's going to happen or it's very, unless you really have people driving that, it's very unlikely that that's going to happen naturally. So we've found that, you know, when you're bringing together people around these conversations that they care about, it's really the, the content that's then driving the community and it's sort of a positive feedback loop. And so, and I know folks are really going to, you know, want to know more about this uh, because like you said, you can't just put the chat room there and, and, hope for it to happen. Um, and even if, even if, you know, somebody who's speaking is very compelling, uh, you know, delivering content, I mean, does it come down to facilitation or how, how do you, how do you help catalyze that within say a chat environment? Yeah. So that's like, we have that down to a whole science. Um, what we do generally is we'll work with, uh, chat animators and the, the chat animators are generally volunteers of the uh, association or, or the group that's hosting. And so these are folks that are connected in that community and also um, are going to have you know, relevant knowledge on the topics themselves. And so we give instructions to those chat animators. So um, one important piece would be building momentum early on to get people excited. So we'll ask a bunch of people to say, hello, really excited to be here at the beginning uh, of the event. Also, kind of being just a positive beacon in that chat. Um, If people are asking questions, making sure that those questions are being answered. Uh, One of the other things, we ask the chat animators to look out for new names in the chat because uh, one thing our data tells us is that if somebody writes in the chat uh, once, they are the least likely to ever write again unless they're somehow reinforced. You know, you could imagine that moment where you're there and it's, it's, it requires some bravery to write into a chat sometimes. And uh, if, if you're not recognized, if your message doesn't get um, reinforced in some way, well, you might not feel comfortable chatting again. So um, that is a, a really important piece to the, to the whole thing actually is, is uh, animation and also moderation. You know, sometimes people will say things that um, 
can derail a chat or um, or something of the like. And so that is a, a risk you take opening up your chat. But uh, we've personally never experienced that problem yet. And I think it's because um, if you're creating that positive, constructive environment, it's just so off to to you know troll in in that space. Interesting. I, I like that term. Um animator. I, I had not come across that until recently. Uh, one of my kids is actually involved in a, uh, a kid's you know, youth group type thing. And they, they have two people there who are called the animators to get the, like, the conversation going and you know, facilitate it and that sort of thing. So the same sort of thing you know, needs to go on in, in, a, in a chat environment. Um, I think it's good for people to be able to call that something uh, that, that really helps, I think, to, to then know what you need to do to, to help get that uh, engagement going. Yep. Let's let's switch gears a, a little bit because um, you know as we mentioned towards the beginning we're in a strange time uh, right now uh, you know people in the future maybe listening to this just so you know this is we're in the, we're in the midst of this whole COVID nineteen uh, pandemic right now obviously impacting so many people in so many ways um, definitely impacting a lot of organizations who had their you know major face to face events planned for this spring, summer, you know, probably fall too, at, at this point um, that they're having to think about, do we now take this virtual? Um, does this turn into a, a virtual conference uh, or, or how do we triage this in some way, making use of virtual technology? So I mean, what, what are you seeing? I mean, is, I, I assume there's just, you're probably getting a, a wave of, of people contacting you about this. Um, how are you helping organizations make the transition, what, what helps to ensure that they're going to be successful in doing that? So I would say at this point, um, there, the, the conversations are shifting over time. Um, and when I say over time, this is all happening so quickly, right? Um, so, but, but even that is significant because, um, if you look at the way information gets disseminated across uh, a given network, you can tell that uh, in, as the, our conversations kind of progress over time, people are, are coming into the conversations much more educated around, um, you know, what to expect. So in the early days, so for us, it all kind of hit the fan um, when the South by Southwest event mm. was canceled. I think everyone went, oh my goodness. And so we were flooded. And those early conversations followed a very similar tone, which was uh, people on the other side were quite panicky about it and also were assuming that A, they had to maintain the same dates and schedule and B, they had to transfer over their 216 sessions, let's say. And so really now there's been much more of a mindset around um, uh, thoughtfully thinking about uh, the outcomes of their event and you know how to deliver on those outcomes rather than just simply uh, transferring over the content virtually. Uh, people now are also, uh, there, there's still some panic going on and fair enough, but also I think that by now people that are talking to us also recognize it to be an opportunity that, you know, this is a way to introduce a whole new way for their members to engage with them and each other. And um, that that is a habit that would then continue. I think a, a really good example, I was talking to an association that held uh, a virtual conference maybe six months ago, and they had 40 attendees there. And they just held a pop-up one a couple weeks ago, and they had 600 attendees there. Wow. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, and, and I would also add that the ones that are, 
Um, you know, this is really a time when associations can demonstrate their value to their community. We've seen a lot that have been uh, really impressive about responding to the emerging need and delivering just-in-time content. Now, your, your just-in-time content isn't going to be as uh, produced and thought out for sure as, uh, you know, a, a big virtual conference. But I think it's really, that's really important as well to recognize that, that the emerging needs sometimes are now. And so mm-hmm. uh, to, to deliver on that now. Yeah, I think uh, c- connection uh, certainly trumps production values uh, at this point in, in, in many cases. Um, do you have, uh, I mean, to the extent that you can share anything, mm-hmm. did, did any organizations jump out just in terms of, you know, how they've been innovative or scrappy or just, you know, just risen to the occasion in, in, uh, in, in using virtual as, as an option? Absolutely. I have a shining example, actually. Um, so we have uh, partners, uh, two uh, psychiatric societies, two state societies. And so we've worked with them previously. Uh, so their, their event is called Psych Summit. And one of them is the New York County Psychiatric Society. So their members are right on the front lines of, of what's happening right now. You know, she, uh, our, our partner was telling us stories of uh, some of their members who, are, who would be the one psychiatrist in one of the hospitals that's being hit really badly. So this is like a whole new set of needs um, that are emerging. And so they're responding. We're working with them, actually. The event's taking place in, a, in two days, and it was put together in a week. And it's, mm. a, it's a pop-up summit. So basically, the way that we're producing that with them uh, a, it's kind of three session types in one. So the first one are pre-recorded videos from some of their psychiatrists on the front lines in New York. And then that's setting the stage for breakout, uh, video chat conversations. So there are going to be several topics. Um, so then they can go from this kind of chat environment into these breakout rooms to, uh, and, and specialize in, in what they specialize in. And then I believe at the end, there's a live recap where everyone comes together. But this was really, when we were looking at the possible dates, we're like, man, this needs to happen now. This is an important conversation now. Yeah. So certainly there's some sacrifice of production quality as a result, but you know, the, their registration numbers are about three times the amount that we expected them to be. This is really, really proving to be um, poignant for their members. Wow. And, uh, and that's the second time you've, you've mentioned, you know, a big jump in, in registration numbers or impressive registration numbers doing virtual, which, uh, you know, makes me wonder. And I, and I know, you know, none of us have a crystal ball at this point as to what it's going to be like six months, uh, 18 months, two years from now. But obviously, you know, there, there is going to be a, there, there is a big shift going on right now to virtual. A lot of organizations who might never have tried this before are now doing it as a matter of necessity. Many are getting, you know, some impressive results out of it. Um, so someday in that hopefully not too distant future when we get back to, you know, whatever normal is at that point, um, what, what do you think the state of virtual conferences, other virtual events are going to be at that point? Will they, you know, will they be an established standard common phenomenon? Um, are they going to recede and just maybe be a contingency option, but at least one that people are truly thinking about and planning for at that point? What, what's your prediction around that? So my prediction is that um, the ones that do it well are going to get such good results that they're going to continue doing them. Um, uh, the worst case scenario is that everyone talks about the year that 
uh, the event went online and, and didn't that mm-hmm. suck? Um, I've actually, interestingly, we've spoken to a few associations that decided against going virtual because they had that happen to them a few years ago. Um, they tried virtual, it didn't, it didn't go well, and now they, they don't even want to risk it. So, so they're not pursuing it. Um, so my, my advice in, in that area to be on that side of it is to really um, narrow in on something that you can do really well and do that thing. Um, also, if like I'll, I'll, I'll give an example of a just-in-time webinar. We, I worked on one. This was uh, another organization that asked me to speak. And at the very beginning of the session, so it was a bit meta because I was speaking about virtual events. And at the beginning of the session, there was static noise. There was an issue with their system. Um, and so I just quickly addressed it and said, you know what, this, this, will, this will happen if uh, the webinar is going to be just in time in this way. And it's better, this is needed information, it's, it's, uh, it's better than nothing. So I think the associations that are really kind of um, making themselves uh, vulnerable and, and mm. calling it out as an experiment and, and uh, I, what I'm hearing is they're, they're getting a really positive response. So really making that part of the narrative is, uh, is my advice. Now, I will say that that uh, uh, the associations that we've worked with thus far, so far, a hundred percent of them, if they do a virtual event, they want to do, they want to continue doing them. So mm. we've we've seen that if you do focus and and uh, do it really well, that y- there is a positive reaction, and it becomes then, you know, something that the associations continue to do. Yeah, that's interesting. We're we're in the midst right now of. Um, in fact, we'll close it down. The day that we're recording this uh, podcast, we have a survey out there about how organizations are using virtual events. And one of the questions that we ask uh, at the end of that survey is, you know, for the ones that have done it, would you do it again? And um, I know the last time around, it was well over 90%. And I, I think it's coming in that way uh, this time again, that you know, if, they, if they've done it, they're going to do it again. Um, you know, they're, they're generally having good experiences with it. So We'll see how that data pans out. Might be the, the subject for a, um, a future podcast, but you know, I think the the ones that that do it and will continue to do it, uh, it's probably because they've learned. Um, you know, that they've learned so much in, in in this whole process. Like you said, you know, being vulnerable, being willing to take some risk, understanding that maybe connection trumps uh, production values at, the, at this point. Um, as we're starting to wrap up our conversation. Um, I'd love to know about what you're learning in all of this and, and working with all of these organizations. This is the point where we usually ask about, you know, one of your most powerful lifelong learning experiences. Um, we've asked you about that before. Um, and, you're, and you can certainly talk about that. You may be in the midst of one though, um, even, even as uh, we're talking. So I thought I'd frame it as, you know, what, what are you learning right now? What, what is powerful for you in this? It's kind of, you know, what, what is this silver lining basically that we're getting out of this in terms of growth and development for ourselves and for the people that, um, that we're serving? Absolutely. So um, I would say that the big, our processes, um, there has been such rapid innovation because now that we're doing so many events simultaneously, we're able to kind of understand the best practices across the board of what works and what doesn't work. One of the big things is that we have we have added a lot of different session types, recognizing, you know, at the beginning, we were really optimizing for these high engagement community conversations. 
Um, and all of our processes were around those types of sessions, but recognizing that there, there are now so many reasons why people are convening online and why they're coming to us for that, that we've, we've had to um, adapt and, and create these different session types. But now uh, we're able to test them so quickly and iterate so quickly. And so that's not just in the, the session content itself. A whole kind of area of development for us is in sponsorship integration. You know, that's been a major shift in conversation. Uh, in our early discussions with associations, the conversation was, how can we bring on sponsors? How can we convince them that uh, virtual is worth investing in? Well, now it's, hey, our sponsors have already paid us, you know, sometimes over 100K to be a sponsor. And how can we deliver on that value in the virtual space? And so um, for us, we have just been able to so quickly test things and see what's working and kind of look out on the market and see what what complementary tools can be added into the, the whole toolkit. So I would say that these are, are innovations then that can carry forth as, as best practices for associations uh, across the board because we're, we're also um, trying to document them as we go so it can, be, it can be useful and relevant to our clients but also um, others out there in the community. Thank, thanks for sharing that. I know we all, I know, want, wish the circumstances weren't what they are right now, but, um, but you know, it, they are what they are, and, and, and to take the opportunity to, to learn rapidly and then to be able to share uh, that learning, I mean, that's, you know, always the, the, the best thing that can come out of any uh, challenging situation like, like the one we're in right now. Um, so thanks, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for, for being here. Uh, I've had the good fortune to speak with you many times. I you know, always get so much out of the, the conversations, um, and I know listeners will have gotten a lot out of this one. If if folks want to find out more about you, about Matchbox, possibly connect with you, where's the place or places they should go to for that? Yeah, so uh, absolutely on LinkedIn. I would also say if you go to our website, uh, matchboxvirtual.com, we're now hosting a weekly session. Jeff is a speaker in that weekly session. Okay. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> on, uh, on creating engaging virtual events. So that's also a great opportunity to, uh, to learn more about that. And I'm always in the chat. Uh, so that session is pre-recorded. I'm always in the chat once per week uh, in that conversation. So that's another way to connect with me. And I will say, if you've never had a, a Matchbox chat experience, um, you, you need to add that to your life experience. So definitely go, <laughs> go check out one of those weekly uh, sessions. Well, great. Well, Ariana, thanks again for being a, a returning guest on the Leading Learning Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That concludes the interview with Ariana Rehak. To get show notes, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 239. And the show notes will include the reflection question. How are you using or planning to use your virtual events as a platform for fostering meaningful conversations? When you check out the show notes, you'll also see various options for subscribing to the podcast. If you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. It helps us get some data on the impact of what we're doing. We'd also be grateful if you would take just a minute to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple, that will put you in the right place. Jeff and I personally appreciate your rating and review, but even more importantly, reviews and ratings help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. 
Finally, consider following us and sharing the good word about Leading Learning. You can find us on Twitter by going to leadinglearning.com slash Twitter, on Facebook at leadinglearning.com slash Facebook, and on LinkedIn at leadinglearning.com slash LinkedIn. We also encourage you to use the hashtag Leading Learning on each of those channels. Wherever and however you do it, please do follow us and help spread the word about Leading Learning. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.